Welcome to Saving the Game. This is Episode 23, Narrative Structure, Part 1 of our Science of Storytelling series, recorded Thursday, August 8th of 2013, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Hey listeners, this is Brandon. I've got two important bits of news for you. They're important enough that we wanted to make sure you hear them now, rather than waiting for us to record it into the next episode. First, the episode you're about to hear has inspired us to start several new series. We're calling the first one, The Science of Storytelling. This series will focus on examining methods for telling good stories that will interest players and audiences. After all, in order to tell a good story with a powerful moral lesson or Christian themes, you first need to know how to tell a good story. In this series, we'll be examining story structure, digging through notable tropes and how best to use them, as well as tackling special problems that might be encountered by role players using these methods in their games. While the topics are important, they aren't really theological in nature. Explicitly religious content may not come up in these episodes as often as in our other episodes. Of course, we still will be using examples from the Bible or Christian history if they're applicable. Like our Virtue and Vices series, our Science of Storytelling series will be occasional, so it shouldn't be something that crowds out the other content you've come to expect. Secondly, and much more importantly, if you can get to Lancaster, Pennsylvania for the weekend of October 11th through the 13th, you should. The Bodhana Group is putting on the third annual Save Against Fear fundraising convention. It's a three-day gaming con in Lancaster, with all the proceeds going to the Bodhana Group. They're an organization which uses role-playing games as therapeutic tools for children and teenagers who've been victimized by sexual trauma. Pre-registration passes are only $30, and again, the dates are October 11th to the 13th in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Save Against Fear is a chance to play good games with good people while doing good works. Everyone here at Saving the Game is excited about this event, and you're definitely going to hear more about it in the future. To learn more about the con and the Bodhana group, check out the schedule of games, and to register for events, go to www.saveagainstfear.com. That's it for our urgent news. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. We're going to jump right into this one. Brandon's got to host a Writer's Guild episode. I'm going to plug that real quick, by the way. If you're a writer and you're not on the Fear the Boot forums and a member of the Fear the Boot Writer's Guild, you should be. It's awesome. Go join it. There's not been much activity in it, and I kind of want to start it up. Even if you're not a writer and you're just interested in reading and yeah stories, we'd love to have you. Uh, I know we had uh, Peter in there uh, and Grant. Yeah, you know, you may not necessarily be a writer, but if you want to critique good and interesting stories by good and interesting writers, you should join. All right. Uh, also, one if other... you want to become a writer, it's a, there are worse places to start. Yeah. Fiction, nonfiction. I'm a script writer myself, and so mainly the stuff I put out there is scripts. But yeah, yeah any kind of writing, we take it, we'll look at it, we'll read it. And... It's yeah, it's great. They I... even put up with me for a little while, and that tells you a lot. <laughs> One other really quick note. By the time you hear this, this should all be resolved, but as of this week, I'm having to change who we are hosted with, our RSS feed, and a whole bunch of other nonsense. By the time this episode drops, our entire backlog is not going to be uploaded again yet. It's going to probably take a couple of months for that backlog to upload, so please be patient. It's going to get up there. Uh, and that's all I had to say about that. Our so, hosting provider decided to be lousy. That's pretty much the end of it. I know. And they've been great for a year, and then they stopped being great. But I don't want to rant on that. We've got a little yeah. bit of a time crunch. So, Peter, you want to start us off on our scripture for the week? Sure. First scripture for this week is Psalms 19.14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I'll take the second one here. Philippians Chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay, so the topic tonight is a little bit different. We're not going to be 
doing too much religious material tonight, but we wanted to talk about the narrative structure of stories and how to put those into a game. And Brandon, this is your specialty, so where do you want to start? Before he actually does start, we kind of had something like this kicking around before we brought Brandon in, and then we're like, hey, you've got a college degree in this stuff. You need to talk about it someday. <laughs> yeah, and we put that day off for like a year. So, Brandon, it's your time. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, the one thing I wanted to talk about here. Okay, not the one thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Right. For those of you who are first turning in, don't know anything about it, I have my degree in electronic media and film, and during my uh, coursework, I spent a lot of time studying screenwriting, or at least I tried to take a couple of classes that had to do with writing so that I could learn how to better tell a story, actually, so that I could tell better stories in role-playing games, because... I liked them that much, and I needed to figure out how to do it. The one thing I would like to say for anyone who's looking into finding more information out this, I'd like to recommend the book Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting you'll ever need by Blake Snyder. It's a beautiful, quick little book. It's written in very easy-to-read, fun little uh, things that the guy says. Uh, I don't know about all the content. I think he's family-friendly and things like that, but I, I haven't read this thing cover to cover absolutely yet, and even if I have, it's gone out of my mind. It's very written in a very informal hand where he talks about how to write, but it's really helpful and it really explains how the story goes. The one thing that this book taught me is the beat sheet. It is the structure of basically every single film that has ever been made. Even some really weird art ones can sort of be fit into how this goes. It is really kind of just a more in-depth telling of the classical three-act structure. Okay. Uh, and I was really kind of amazed when I looked at the outline and saw this stuff, because he really is kind of right here, folks. It's You'll be amazed as he goes through it. <laughs> the first thing that it starts with is the opening image. Uh, I'm going to read a little quote from the book. Uh, the very first impression of what a movie is, it's its tone, it's its mood, it's the scope of the entire film. That is what you want to include in the very opening image of anything you write. is You want to start everyone off knowing exactly where they're going to go from it. A lot of times this happens in uh, TV series and different things. Is, uh, Game of Thrones, for example. I know that that TV series started with a throwaway characters that just got kind of killed in the first scene. And that was the opening image to let everyone know, this is what this, this uh, TV show is going to be about. It's going to be medieval whole lot of people are going to die. More characters dying, and then yeah. some more dying. Uh, to, yeah, from... but to put this in like a uh, role-playing game context, if you've ever looked at a published adventure, the block text that you're supposed to read at the start of the game, that's kind of what I think you're talking about here. Am I right, Brandon? Uh, yes, very much so. In fact, let me uh, pull up something from actually the Fear the Boot forums. While he's doing this, I'd l like to uh, cut in for just a second here and say that if this is already sounding like railroading to you, it's not. You can almost think of this as a lot of GMs will have kind of a what's really going on document for their campaign. This is kind of a good way of structuring that to make sure that the story that you're telling is exciting and interesting. Am I right, Brandon? Or uh, yeah, oh, No, no. Uh, this is perfectly the railroad. Um, I, you need to write it like a movie, and if your players don't do something right, you need to slap them. Uh, of course you're right, Peter. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the other thing I want to stress real quick is that we are not necessarily talking about a single session here. This entire narrative arc can take place over years if your campaign runs that long. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're talking about a start to finish story. If you have an open ended one, you may go through some of these repeatedly. Who knows? Oh, well, uh, this is the three act structure. Um, right. Most things that are in a trilogy uh, actually follow this. You know how people will say that the the second um, uh, movie in a trilogy sometimes is the most silly and maybe the darkest. Like, you know, the, oh man, everything's lost at the end of the two towers. Things like that. Or the Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what I was going for. Uh, and, you, and if you notice, a whole lot of people quote the Empire Strikes Back as their first movie, and I'll get into that why. Uh, I'm going to use some sort of film terms as as we go along about this. Uh, the first is, of course, the opening image. That happens on page one. It's the first thing your players see. Um, it's the first thing your players do. And it should inform something about the rest of the story that you're going to tell. Somewhere around in the first thing you want to have this, there's an uh, event that usually happens in film, which you can try to somewhat put into the story. It's called theme stated. The theme stated moment, they usually say that it happens around five. This is where someone who's usually 
not a main character, but a side character, comes up and basically tells the main character what the movie's going to be about. Okay. And, and they'll say it in plain English right to him. It's the lesson that the main character, so does, needs to learn. And it is, it is the statement of the movie's thematic premise. Okay. While all this is going on, of course, uh, the first, you know, thing you want to do is the setup. This is, of course, in the three-act structure, it's called The Ordinary World. Um, this is the world that everyone knows, everyone's familiar with. If you're telling a story set in the normal day world, then you want to start in the normal day world. Right. In fact, it'll probably start in suburbia for that extra level of normality or... Unless it's banality, a specifically urban story, at which point it will be set in the city because that is the normal world. Yeah, it's yeah. the character's normal environs before yeah. they grow. I got you. Mm -hmm. All right, let's yes. move on. Uh, yeah, once that happens, there's something called the catalyst. Otherwise, it's called the call to action. Basically, something happens that changes the world as we know it. Uh, the change is big, and nothing will ever be the same afterwards. And there's no going back for the heroes, really. Uh, to quote Star Wars, this is the help, um, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Luke right. gets this message. He can't just sit on it. He has to act. Independence Day, Will Smith looks up over his newspaper. There's a giant alien ship. Yeah. Okay. This has tilted the um, uh, normal world on its ear, and... Everything is different. After that, we go into what in uh, Save the Cat he calls the debate, but is usually called the refusal of the call. The heroes uh, must decide what to do next in the changed world. Uh, in movies, this usually takes place as a refusal of the call, where the heroes desperately want to go back to the old world and not embrace the adventure. But the problem is, PCs tend not to do this. <laughs> like, right. A lot of times, player characters are there for the adventure. And like unless they're going to be jerks, then... You, they, they're probably going to want to jump at whatever you, you give them. Yeah. Which well. actually makes them a lot more motivated than your average movie hero, which is in some ways kind of refreshing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. in, in any given game, this section may be very short or non-existent, unless, of course, it's refusal of the plot hook, in which case you've added a year to your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, well, actually, uh, this is this is where we start to get out of the whole this is railroad. Uh, right. Because in, in this, this the debate, which is why I like I like the term the debate rather than the refusal of the call for when you're writing a game. Because the debate here is that you set up multiple options for them to follow, mm -hmm. and then you let them choose how they're going to go about it. Now, those all those options can lead to the exact same place, uh, but the thing is that there's a choice, and that they get to the side, and then that is where you lead them onto. Okay. Where are you going to go next? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Let's talk about this. This is where it's a good time to sit your party down after the catalyst has happened. Like, the world is blown up. The orcs have attacked and destroyed the village. Now what are we going to do? In the uh, in the Y2112 game that I'm running, uh, I actually studied this whole thing out, uh, Y2112 campaign, using this, and it's worked really, really well. So that's why I'm wanting to say this. Uh, okay. Uh, after the debate, it's the break into two. This is act two of your story. Okay, so you're breaking into Act 2. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. You go in, and then something happens. It's big, and it signifies that there's a whole new change in the world. It could be a disaster, or it could be victory and discovery, but it's the I-don't-think-we're-in-Kansas-anymore moment, sort of. Thinking back on the um, uh, Dorothy Oz, that is definitely the break into 2. She shows up there, and everything's in color, and it's different. Right, she's accepted, the world has changed a mm -hmm. bit, and she's now going forward into it rather than just trying to get back from it. I got you. Okay. A little bit into the act two, we hear the, you hit the B story. Now, this is a, a subplot. It's usually something that's unrelated or tangentially related to the main plot, but it's something that'll end up being a key role in the rest of the game. It can be whatever you want. Usually in the terms of a movie, it's a romance subplot. Like, this right. is this is where, like, you start hinting at the, the love interest coming in. But this could be other things, too, right, Brandon? I mean, this could be, yeah. like, if um, you've got your characters out on their stereotypical world-saving quest, this could be uh, one of them trying to get his ancestral sword reforged or something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this could be, that is exactly what it is. In the game that I'm running, uh, they are, the, the main pl uh, plot of the story is them, what's it called, uh, repairing and sort of helping their village not be taken over by orcs and uh, attacked again. Okay. But the B plot is when they, as soon as they traveled out there, I introduced them into a sort of huge civil war, uh, uh, terroristic dispute that's going on between the local militia, which controls the area and a group of people who don't like the militia. Okay. And yeah, so that is basically what I put out there. Um, uh, after this comes 
Uh, real fun quick, and games. Real quick. Is it fair to say that for the B plot, you could easily have a B plot per character? The you know all the motivate individual motivations and subplots and side projects might qualify. Yeah. Okay. That is yeah. That is exactly where that is uh, supposed to go. All right. Uh, gotcha. Good. Of course, of course. Usually in a in a um, uh, in a movie, you have a whole lot less time. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so that's right. why they only focus on one. But you can pull that in with every single character's uh, B plot once you've broken into the world. It also can um, uh, serve as a great a reminder for the characters that this is still personally something that's attached to them. Even though the world is big and the world is different, you are small and you matter. Gotcha. Because you want to do this one thing. Okay, uh, I like that. After that uh, comes fun and games. And this is getting back to what I said about the second movie in a trilogy sometimes being seen as the one that people like the most. is because this is where they fulfill the promise of the premise. If you're running a Fallout game, then you want to have crazy post-apocalyptic adventures with ghouls and super mutants here. Gotcha. Uh, if you're running a courtly intrigue game, then there should probably be balls and political, you know, plots and maneuverings that the people can get uh, mired down and involved in here. All while you're doing this, you're giving the players free reign to explore whatever they want. This is just sort of the guideline of the story. Okay. Now, at this point, it's the midpoint, according to the outline you've got here. Yes, the midpoint of the story. This is, I'm sure everyone knows what this is and can probably find it in any movie without, you know, even thinking. This is the halfway point in the story. All of a sudden, the stakes are raised. Right. Uh, There is something else that matters. Like, what you thought was fun is not important anymore because there's something else you have to go towards. Yeah, and you've got here, and I think this is a useful tool for designing a role-playing game story. Either a false defeat or a false victory. Yes, this is important. This is where stuff gets real. You've just let the PCs feel that they are awesome, and they've got all the success. And now you need to let them know that more is on the line. There's something bigger out there. There's something that maybe uh, they just now knows about them, or maybe it's something that's been watching them all along. The stakes are raised for some reason. Right. This is the also real big bad a- reveals himself. Uh, Kefka destroys the world. Whatever. Maybe not even the real big bad reveals himself. Maybe the dragon shows up. Okay. Uh, yeah, the underling of the real big bad, because you can use the real big bad for um, uh, the always lost moment later. And that's that's exactly what I would suggest is this is where Darth Vader comes in. And the beauty of putting the second biggest bad guy here is the fact that when you defeat him, there's someone after him. Okay. That's the false victory. I got you. This is definitely should be a fight in a role-playing game. If or I'm thinking in terms of Pathfinder and Dungeons & Dragons. If you have a fight here against what looks like to be a big, huge adversary who's going to be the problem for the whole rest of the game... Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking from video games, uh, for those who have played uh, Mass Effect, there's a uh, false defeat in Mass Effect at the midpoint. The midpoint would be Vermeer. For those of you who know, someone dies at Vermeer. Uh, and it's up to you to decide who it is. And it, the beauty of that is that it ties very well into the whole idea that your choices matter because you are the one who has to choose one or the other. And either way, there's something bad that happens there. Okay. Gotcha. Vermeier is a particularly tense and crazy bit of the story anyways. They jack the stakes way up and then mm-hmm. don't let you out of there without a consequence. So that's probably a good model for this, right, Brandon? Or... Yes, that is why I brought it up, because whenever I'm thinking about video games, I actually went through Mass Effect and I sort of laid it out in the three trilogies, uh, and it fits basically piece for piece into this pretty well. Vermeer is a particularly good and well-executed example of this. It's not just an example, it's one of the better ones you can find in video games. Yes. Okay. And that is why I brought it up, because... To dig more into the Vermeer thing, the stakes do change. Like Grant said, here the true bad guy is revealed. We see that Sovereign is not just a ship. Sovereign is a Geth. It is revealed that Saren, who hey, has You mean a been... Reaper? Yes. Yeah. A <laughs> Reaper. Sorry. I, I'm, I got my brain a little scrambled here. Sovereign is a Reaper. You've been fighting Geth and the Saren throughout the whole entire time, and you think he's the big bad. Here's the pull, here's the wolf being pulled out from under you. You've just found there's something worse that is behind him. And what's even best is you still fight Saren there. 
there's a fight with the dragon, and, and because it's a, a video game, they can do the whole cheap thing where he flies away at the end. Really let me well. let me just uh, cut one more thing in here, folks. Um, we keep uh, referencing the dragon. That is the big bad's number one henchman. It's it's Darth Vader to Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars. Just in case they weren't familiar with the trope term. Yes, I'm sorry. I I'm somewhat familiar with this, and I forget sometimes that a lot of people are. That is what makes Vermeer such a great example of this. Also because, as you can tell, Vermeer can be done in basically almost any order. You just have to do two other missions, and then you have access to Vermeer. So you could wait until it's the end, or you could do it right there, and then you still have one more thing to do. Uh, but that's a great way to structure out the game. Is It's something that can't be accomplished immediately, but once it uh, becomes of it, it changes the entire tone of the game. So, moving on past the midpoint, we have bad guys close in. The forces are aligned against your party. Perhaps they are drawing together, or perhaps they are pulling out the big guns. This means more challenges, more strife for the heroes, as they keep trying to hold on to their victory, or pull themselves up from their defeat. Whatever it is, things ramp up here. Uh, this is, in Cloud City, all of a sudden the stormtroopers are there. Right, and Han Solo opens the door, and oh, that's Darth Vader standing up at the end of the table. <laughs> Yeah, that is the introduction to bad guys close in. They're right. here. And and um, likewise, it can also be uh, Luke sensing, oh, wait, they're in danger while he's off on Dagobah, and his tension is rising because something's mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. After the bad guys close in, there is the all is lost moment. This is the lowest point in the movie, the film, the story, what have you. The heroes will be at their worst, mostly because they most likely got the stuffing just beat out of them. This is a perfect place to put in a, um, a an encounter that is designed to just cream the players, or make it so that it's, they're, they're facing such overwhelming forces that the only option is retreat. Okay. You want them to feel like they've just lost everything. The other thing that um, uh, is important to uh, note here is going back to the midpoint when we said that there's false victory or false defeat. Whichever you had in the midpoint, false victory or defeat, the opposite happens in the all is lost moment. Okay. I can see an example of false defeat here. Like, let's say it's a zombie survival game. You lose the base that you've been working out of for a while. It's overrun by zombies. Right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm having a little trouble coming up with a good example of a false victory that is also an all-is-lost moment. Okay, well, it usually works really well to put a false victory in the midpoint, because right. then false defeat just really fits in with the all-is-lost. Sure. However, you can do you can do the opposite way around. Uh, let's go back to the zombie, uh, zombie in the base thing. Okay, yep. so let's say this whole entire game has been about them trying to get this battery cell to charge their electric fence to keep these zombies out. All, All right. right. At the midpoint, they got the they got the stuffing beat out of them. They, they lost everything that they had to do. They, they, they fell down. They had to pull themselves back up, sna- uh, r- uh, infiltrate the enemy's base, grab the um, uh, grab what they needed and hightail it out of there. They get back. They install what it is. It works. It comes up. Everything's good. Everything's done. And then, bam, it blows out. Okay. Where are we in the story at this point? All is lost. Okay. So it's it's a defeat, but, you know, hey, the players did it, and then it didn't work. As opposed to, it's a little bit more of a rug yanked out from under you kind of thing yeah. than it is a mm-hmm. straight up, oh man, everything we've worked for is for nothing, and we can see it, see the end coming. I got you. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, you... you- you do want to pull the rug right from out uh, from under them. And, and this might be something that angers a few players. Yeah, there's also something here at the all is lost moment, whether it's the victory or the defeat, there is the whiff of death. Something is lost here. Something the group cares about. In this case, it's the base. Right. The base got run over. It's their home. Their home is gone. Okay. I, I think the important thing that you'd want to focus on for a role-playing game as opposed to like a, a novel or a film or something is you want to try and do this in a way that doesn't just make your table or your players flip the table and walk away. If you take like absolutely everything away from them completely and make it, you know, and make it feel like you're kind of laughing in their face as the GM, 
that can demotivate your players entirely. So you have to handle this with a little bit of finesse, wouldn't you think? Or Yeah, I, I would say so. And I think it's, if you are internally consistent in the all is lost, if they can look back and say, boy, we should have seen that coming, I think it's okay. Yeah, I, I think you're probably okay there too. It's just, I, Brandon, it, you've got a little, few more narrative tricks up your sleeve than we do. Do you have any advice for how to make that work? Because this seems like something that has to be handled somewhat delicately. Well, the it, yes and no, it has to be handled delicately. Most times, the players are going to understand that this is the token defeat in Act 2 that leads you into Act 3. And the important point is that you, at the end of Act 3, just let them beat the crap out of whatever it is that kicked them in the teeth here. Right. You're, you're setting it up. This is, this is not supposed to be, well, your dog died, and everyone's dead, and everyone hates you, and there's, you know, nothing else there. I mean, you can take all the support that they've uh, gotten away from them. Like, I like the whole idea about they lose their base, now their base is being overrun, and they have to run away. And so it's like, well, uh, we have to retake the base. <laughs> yeah, or we need to find a different base, or we need to stop the zombies at the source. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Let me put this a different way then, because I think I, I see what you're getting at here. It's okay to take their stuff. It's okay to hand them a defeat. Just don't take away their agency and then do it. Yes. And yes, also, exactly okay. right. also, we're sort of getting into the actual next point, which is called Dark Knight of the Soul. In the movie terms, this is where the heroes deal with the huge crutching blow that has, again, changed their world, and this time, definitely for the worse. In the game terms, PCs might need a point to step back, have another pseudo-debate about what they're going to do now. You can have an NPC present them with false choices, none of which them are looking really good. Probably uh, along the lines of run like cowards or die. To, um, to uh, reference Mass Effect, then... This would be the point where the Normandy is, like, bolted to the dock. Yes. And you're all grounded, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is where they've shut you down. There's nothing you can do. Then we come in the break into three. Uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, perhaps literally. And this is usually where the B story pays itself off. Something that will get the heroes to the final showdown. It's hope. It's a change. It's a good plan. It's okay. a chance to knock the teeth um, out of the thing that just uh, kicked you in <laughs> in between the legs, and hopefully the players go for it. Right. It's a little bit out of order, but at this point, you know, yes, uh, Sam and Frodo are being taken captive, or, you know, have been taken captive, but Saruman is defeated. That's something. That's at least no. something. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, it's a little out of order, but it's a somewhat similar concept, am I right? Actually, not at all. Okay. Okay. Um, um, this is this is where um, uh, Sam and Frodo have just had a has have had a fight. Gollum has left, uh, led um, uh, Frodo away, mm-hmm. and Sam has absolutely nothing there. And and uh, Frodo is is down on his luck. He's lost everything. He's about to you know die. He's been betrayed, and all of a sudden, this is the return of Sam. Gotcha. Okay. This this is this is where something comes out. And it should not be a complete total deus ex machina, because that gets a little odd, but it should be uh, the, the, the reinforcements that you need. A, a guy who comes in, he has far too many men to, you know, take this in an outright fight. But, you know, you can use them just right to just, bam, blow the hole just in the one spot you need and take it all back. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I think I'm with you now. After that comes the finale. Uh, uh, and honestly, there are very little rules on writing the final act. It's big, it's long, it's whatever you want it to be. So f- finale here is not the last scene, it's the last act. It's the whole yes. wrap-up, everything gets wrapped up, so this could take a long time. Yes, you okay. have built the story to this point, and now it's your chance to wrap up your story. Reveal any last uh, twist that you want to have in your mind, and give the PCs a fight they will remember. Uh, or perhaps they'll talk the master into killing themselves, because that can work too in games. Planescape Torment? What? <laughs> I was actually going for Fallout because I had written this for a, a Fallout game. Gotcha. Uh, thing where in the first Fallout you can talk the big mind guy into just plain dying. That makes sense. And then you've got 
kind of the the closing moment, what the the take home image that you want people to leave with, the final image. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's the opposite, or or it's the pair to the opening image. Like the opening image said what the story was going to be about. You need to tell them what the story was about. Okay, uh, I like again. that. I like the parallelism there. I mean, it doesn't have to be 100% parallel. It can show a different part about it, like uh, uh, things like that. And it's 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 really interesting in, in film what they do. Like, I know there is a uh, there was an old movie about like uh, uh, about double crossing and things not really being uh, what they seem. And so the entire first shot of the films mm-hmm. were um, uh, buildings because the whole thing was also set around a city, and it was showing the reflection off the buildings. So things were not well as they seemed because it was reflected off these big shiny buildings, and it was a okay. very thematically appropriate thing. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, this is this is for, of course, a cinematic arc of a game, the main campaign. I got you. Something like so for this final image, it's, it's safe to say that this should also maybe illustrate in some way how the, the characters have changed, the protagonists. Yeah. Okay. This is almost the point where, where they want to know what they care about, and you need to tell them a little bit about how they've made an impact. Because okay. like the that. whole point about a role-playing game is that you want to show them, this is what you've changed, this is what you've done, and this is how you will be remembered. Even if they're going to continue from there. Because just because this is the end of this one arc doesn't mean that you can't just pick up and start right again with a new, like, <laughs> well, they've just ended the world, and now this new world that they created that was weird and strange is the ordinary world. So let's change that again. Yeah, that's actually exactly <laughs> what happened in one of the games I was in. Was yeah. uh, It was a mage game. We may have caused the entire world to collapse in on itself, and that's how we started our vampire game. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, but I get you. And, you know, this is something you see all the time in, you know, an ongoing series of books. You know, you have this structure or a similar structure within each book and then you move on to the next one yeah uh especially for i know we talk about mistborn a whole heck of a lot if you <laughs> you know it's awesome because it's awesome but like i'm sure peter you can see that just from like applying the trilogy to this whole thing how the first book has the setup of absolutely everything the catalyst of absolutely everything the debate about absolutely everything uh happening and then finally then we break into two in basically the final act of that. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh I'm uh I'm more willing to spoil Mass Effect and um, Star Wars because everybody has seen or played them by this point. Yeah. There's a lot of this stuff in Mistborn, but um yeah. I don't want to spoil it. That's why I didn't explain absolutely anything about what Yeah, I think I it's said. safe to use Star Wars as spoiler, you know, oh, yeah. listen. Go see Star Wars. Pause the recording. Go see Star Wars. If if for some reason you haven't, even see the redone versions, I don't care. Just know what we're talking about. <laughs> That's all I can say. While you're, while you're at it, watch The Princess Bride 2 and uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and you'll have all the geek references ever covered yes. in those five yes. movies. <laughs> kind of. All right, but yeah, um, speaking of Mass Effect, kind of going back to uh, what I was going to say about the whole series is, again, like I said, the, the trilogy of the series followed these, and each individual game followed these. Uh, so things lined up really interestingly. Like, uh, the midpoint of your second, of your third book is going to be the midpoint of your entire trilogy. And right. so it's going to reveal something that really twists the entire trilogy on their heads. Let me go back and I'm, I'm going to, I'm sort of breeze through these guys again. I want you guys to pitch me a role playing game you want me to plot out right here. Okay. Um, well, okay, I tell you what, let's do it on something that I'm, I have been struggling with myself. I'm getting ready to run a game for my wife and her best friend. It's a Legend of the Five Rings game. Okay, Legend probably. Of the Five Rings. Yeah, like two or three sessions, so feudal Japan with Asian magic ghosts, etc. Okay? Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about the um, uh, the, the world that okay. uh, you would want them to start up as. Kind of a, a wandering samurai kind of vibe. So opening image, I would say is... Ooh, I don't know. Uh, help me out here. Oh, what do you want the players to be? Because the opening image will have a lot to do... Well, it sounds like the players are probably going to be a bunch of samurai and possibly Shigenja, which are the spellcasters. Right. In this case, I'm going to go with... Which are part of the samurai cast. Let's keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Samurai warriors. 
All right. They're they're all samurai warriors. Okay. Yes. Let's say they live in um uh, a monastery or uh wherever mm, that the samurai warriors let's, live. Let's say a relatively poor clan family. It's a, a small but poor lordship. All right. So they're, they're, all right. So they're in a small but poor lordship. You should probably start out the game dealing with the problems of this small but poor uh, lordship. Let them uh, go around and do some opening RP. Like, ask them where they are in the town. Let each character right. establish uh, themselves and what they're doing. Uh, okay. Can I chime uh, in here? Yes, yeah. sure. A good thing to put in this would be, uh, since you said poor, do something that emphasizes the little bit of a lack of resources and the responsibility that they have. So, the, the tax hall has come in for the year and they've counted it, and it's not quite enough to pay for the small standing army that they have and whatever additional, you know, things that are necessary for survival. Right. They're responsible for food or something, and so they have to make some tough choices about what to cut. Yeah. Well, that might be a catalyst, actually. Uh, it might be a catalyst, but it might be a part of the setup. Okay. If that is the main thrust of the story, then... Ah, okay. Uh, then, I got it. Then it actually, the you know what? I've got one. All right, so setup, things are tight. You know, like like Peter said, tax revenues come back and you've got almost enough and if you know, if everybody really kind of cuts down and maybe a couple of the peasants go hungry for a little bit, maybe not starving but getting close, then everybody's going to make it through to the next harvest. Okay, got that. Catalyst bandits right off with a couple wagon loads full of rice. Yep. So the bandits have have ridden off with a couple wagon loads of rice. That is the catalyst. The, the world has changed now. Instead of almost surviving, you now all will most surely die. Right. Uh, so that is perfect what it is. And after that, we go into the debate, which is where you can start throwing out things. Is okay, we're obviously going to go after the bandits. And the people are going are, are gonna to try to go after the bandits. And uh, likely they'll have fought off the bandits, but they still got away. Right. They, st- they killed a few bandits, maybe... Uh, instead of three wagon loads being taken away, only two got away. It's yeah. still enough, but they got a little victory. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah they, they still lost their... In game two terms, wagon- hey, we had our first combat. Yeah. Hey, we had our first combat, which is also what's great for the Catalyst. Um, right. There, there also can be some uh, stuff in like in the opening image and, and uh, theme-stated sort of things where you can have like a small little combat. Like like maybe um, uh, m- maybe there's a guy who, who's a samurai in there who, who, who just challenges you to a fight because he's your, you know he doesn't like you and things like that. And right. so you have these two people duel. Right. Or, or they're training know. or who knows what. Yeah. I got you. So yeah, the catalyst can be the first bite, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, especially if you're having small little problems. Like it could have been that the first fight they had was chasing off the rats from the dungeon or, or from the <laughs> cellar of the inn. Like, Oh yep. no, we've got a rat problem. Go kill them. Uh, cough, cough, oh, no, Baldur's my... gate. I got you. Yes. I know. <laughs> and every other fantasy computer role-playing game ever made in the history of mankind. Which is why it works so well. And why yes, and at this point, have... it's just a joke. Yes, but All right, why anyway. is it always rats? Because anyway. it's always been rats. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so we have the debate. So, anyway, so they all got together, and this is probably where the person who runs the town uh, should try to right. call everyone together and have a discussion. Right, yeah, it's going to be... What they it, gonna it, because it's L5R, the, their lord, the daimyo, is going to call people together and say, so we can't do this. In this game, I'm guessing there's probably not too much debate because the... There could be debate. This is this is where you can throw in NPCs to uh, put in debate. Maybe there's someone who says, well, we have to leave the town. Well, mm-hmm. we have to kick out this many people, and I have a list of these uh, these people I hate, and they need to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> or or it could be someone saying, well, will we have to make a deal with this other evil tribe over there who's going to okay. want something horrible that we want to do? And and it's like, well, no, we need to chase down those bandits and throw everything we have them and break their fortification, even though it will cost many, many lives. And maybe some people are just like, well, maybe we just need to starve some people out. Of course, it's up to the players to mm-hmm. hear all these solutions and decide the one they want to go with at this point. Now, you can sort of nudge them towards one if that is the one that you want them to take. Like, let's say you really want them to go out and try to hunt down these bandits. Mm-hmm. Like, Which is they, probably something that PCs are going to want to do anyways, let's be honest. Yeah. Or, or, may, or, or let's say let's say you don't want them to go down and, and hunt these bandits. Let's, let's say you well, want instead let, them let, to... Let me say just for the game I'm, I'm thinking of, because this is a, a real game I'm kind of trying to plot out here. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's... Uh, I do want them to hunt them down, 
and I know the players are probably going to do that anyway because it's my wife and she only plays barbarians. <laughs> Seriously, that's all she plays. Bigger the weapon, the better. I know they're going to do that. How do I introduce it? You know, do I even worry about a debate? Maybe make it a small, perfunctory debate and say, all right, this is what we're doing. Then the debate could happen. Like, let's say you know that they're going to go to the villa, going to go chase down the bandits. Well, then you can make the debate. How are you going to chase down the bandits? Okay, that makes sense. You know, all right. Um, uh, that makes a lot of sense. The, yeah. Once they get to the bandit camp, how are you going to infiltrate it? Like, do you want to storm the gates? Do you want to go in the sideways? Then there's pros and cons to each one. You let them make decisions. You let them make choices. And then you sort of give them the logical outcome of their choices. So after the bait is done, um, they can either recover the grain or they can't recover the grain, depending on whatever you want, because since the grain's out of there, you know, they can have arrived, they can arrive too late and the grain's already sold, or they can have arrived just in time, uh, uh, just in time and they, they've got it all back and the, the village is going to be safe. However, there's a break into two. There's something else different. Let's this say is- they get there in time. Uh, and they discover that the bandits are selling the grain uh, that they've stolen to a rival daimyo who's hired the bandits to surreptitiously ruin his rival. Or you can even have the bandits be really spiteful and set the grain on fire to keep them from recovering it. Well, right, but I'm thinking that the rival daimyo thing, now all of a sudden we go, aha, we've got our second act, Right, it's really rising tension with this guy. Yes, uh, Grant has that perfectly. While Peter, that is something you can do to have them. Like, let's say that the problem was that you wanted them, uh, that that you really wanted the village to have to survive, and this is not just a setup to get them interested in it and hooked into this other bigger plot. Uh, then them burning the grain is something that you have them have them do to just say, well, the problem's not solved. Like, (laughs) that's the break into two. It's like, well, we've destroyed the bandits, but we're back at square one. Right. We're not going to lose any more grain, but now we've got to figure out how to survive the winter. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, But if if Grant wants to tell a different story about that there's a war between this Dio, then whether or not they retrieve the grain is sort of a moot point at this. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. At that point, we've got two different stories. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. B story. Uh, B story. Like I said, this this is where um, you can introduce an NPC. Well, another faction that the group wants to uh, come in. Maybe there's a third Daya that is looking to benefit from this. He's an enemy of the first one. Uh, you see him sort of, or, or maybe it's it's this other, uh, this guy is a, so, uh, uh, Daya Von, yeah, yeah. I got one. A good B story plot, you have a another Daimyo who is trying to marry his son to one of these samurai. It's all arranged marriages, right? It's not romance necessarily, but you're, there's kind of a, a political level and a, but I'm, I got people to kill. What, what do you mean? I got to stop everything and get married. And yes, I can go kill after that, but what do you mean I got to have a wedding? Come on. I'm yeah. busy. You know, that sort of thing. That can definitely be one of the B stories. Uh, you'll have to figure out a way to pay it off later, which is why I, I usually go with factions being B stories. Okay. Because factions pay off really easy. But this guy could be a faction. Like, yeah. Th- th- this guy could have an army, uh, uh, you know, resources that you're going to need. Then, then it's fun and games. So this is the promise of the premise. So this is where you need to have wacky, zany uh, Japanese samurai adventures. Going out and, you know, doing Legends of Five Rings stuff I'm not very familiar with. Sure. Legends of uh, Five Rings the stuff. Crazy Monk shows up. Whatever. I got yeah. you. Oh, the Crazy Monk shows up. Uh, this is also, probably in, in terms of game, what you have out now is uh, you've discovered that the Dio, uh, that, that evil Dio guy, yeah. is is the one pulling the strings. So now in the fun and games, borrowing from kind of the uh, Mass Effect 1 thing, in Mass Effect we've discovered Saren is the real bad guy. And so instead, uh, instead of going directly at him, because you can't go directly at him, like this is this is the die daimyo guy, you can't attack him directly. He's big, he's powerful. You're five guys. Like, right. what are you gonna do? Uh, but inst- what you can do is weaken. You can go after the people under him. Uh, you can cut off his resources. You can make a fool out of him so that he leaves his area and comes to you. Uh, this is where you provide the players with a whole bunch of choices. And this is also where it's not railroading because you let them do. Whatever they want. Yeah, you throw it open and say, tell me how you're going to ruin him. Yes. Gotcha. And they come up with a plan, you execute the plan, you complicate the plan, maybe you provide three or four paths at certain times that they can take, maybe they take them, maybe they don't. So, midpoint, we have a false defeat or false victory. Uh, Let's say in this case we do a false victory, there's a little bit of a pitched battle 
he wins. Okay, we how win. are the stakes raised, though? What is different now? Because there's also an increase in stakes here. The rival daimyo has lost territory to us. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we've expanded. Okay, look, we look like we're winning. Okay, that's possible, but um, uh, what I'm saying here is what, this uh, one very interesting point about a role-playing game story is that you can put the, you can put up there where there's actually a branching point here. Okay. You can put either false defeat or false victory. Uh, let's say that you discover that the daimyo has been searching for an artifact that he wants. Okay, and I like that. You get to it before you get to it before him. You have your hands on it, and he shows up to fight you. And so you have a battle with him or his dragon, uh, maybe even a literal literal dragon that's right. trying to take this thing from you. Now, either one of two things are going to happen in this combat: either the party is going to win, which is false victory, or the party is going to lose, and that's false defeat. And if they lose, the guy should leave them alive uh, because Obviously, he's yeah. he's a supervillain, and it's it's foolish to kill the party right there. All right, so now. Um, uh, now you have a branching path, and so it's definitely not a railroad, because there's at least this, this two branching point in this one fight, depending on how they do it and how they succeed. Um, bad guys close in. Now, let's say you've had false defeat, all right? This, uh, the guy has the artifact now. So the bad guys close in is actually you closing in on the bad guys. You have to ah, go Ah, okay. Him. I gotcha. You're getting closer to that confrontation. I gotcha. Yeah. You have to go in there. Maybe you get the chance to face stomp uh, the dragon again and actually earn your victory if you didn't face stomp him earlier. So this is the time where you get your payback and you just smash him into the ground and you go, gotcha. ah! Right. And then, you know, or false victory, you have this thing and you're on the run and you're being chased. Makes sense. These guys are coming after you. Right. You've got it you. and his hundred or so samurai are chasing after you and it's the two of you. Gotcha. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. And you're just running and, you know, they're coming. They're closing in. Uh, you can run, but you can't hide sort of thing. Uh, now, of course, we get to the all is lost. This is, of course, is another uh, branching point. Well, it, it's it's a branching point, but it also exactly how this plays out depends if we're following this model on what happened at the midpoint. Before. Yes, right. exactly. That's what I was going to get to. What is there something that you're... Uh, players, you want you to, your players to have cared about this whole entire time. In the uh, let they get back to the keep. We're going to assume just f- to keep things short. It they had a false victory before, right? They get home with the artifact. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, they get home and the keep is taken. Yeah, that is. But yeah, that is exactly what I would say. False defeat is they get home. They arrive just in time as the guys' armies rush over them and sort of push them out. Right. And, and seize the capital. Maybe they keep the artifact. Maybe they don't. Uh, depending on what goes on. But either way, he yeah. has their capital now. Um, if this was supposed to be false victory, well, then they get back, they have the artifact, and, and they're starting to learn how to use it. And they're starting mm-hmm. to uncover its secrets. And they're starting to piece it together. And, the, and just as they figure it out, and they have their power, that's when the attack happens. Right. And or the they discover and, that it's actually an evil artifact, and it possesses their lord. Yeah. Yeah. Either so way, yeah. They lose yeah. the keep. You know, their their lord is now possessed and evil, and they have to kill him or something like that. Well, they don't necessarily have to kill him. They could. Well, you know, uh, again, I'm thinking in L five R terms. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that that is the whiff of death. Uh, gotcha. Anything they lose that happens something there, important. Yeah. They have lost something huge oh. and important. After that, there's the Dark Knight of Soul, which is basically, as I said, like y- y- them and their survivors are in the wilderness and they're waiting and they're trying to figure out what to do. Right. All right. And so, all right, and and you, you kind of parody the debate again with the people from before going, we should run, we should die like cowards, um, right. uh, uh, things like that. And then all of a sudden, break into three. Uh, you know, the marriage proposal guy, he yeah. shows up. He's like, hey, so what's this marriage proposal thing? And you go, well, um, well about it's kind of not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of not going to happen. I'm kind of there. And he's like, oh, you need some help? I've got these guards with me. Right. Or, oh, yeah, well, let's take the keep back. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a plan. I'm here to help you. It's the booster rocket, basically. And that rocket you into that. Makes and then sense. Then the finale is them fighting it out like that and trying right. to figure out what In the Lord of the out. Rings movies, this would be the elves show up at Helm's Deep, right? Basically. Yeah, yes. that, that would be a good break into three moment right there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, for the L5R game, obviously, whichever kind of way you go, you know, who's actually the bad guy here... Um, you have you work your way to that final confrontation, and because in all of these stories, the uh, you know you've lost your lord one way or another, 
probably everybody as that final image. Everybody commits seppuku because it's L5R. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah, um, that is basically how you do arcing stories. Now, okay. uh, I, I, I know we're pressing up against time here, but I do want to cover a little bit else like that. Because there is a second type of story that I think I, I tell you what, at least... Let's save that for another episode. I think we've done a lot in this one. There's a lot that we can think about. We can talk about this is the narrative structure for a single plot. I think this would work great, especially for a con game. Let's do episodic formats as another episode. Okay, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to speak about episodic formats. So I guess by the time you hear this, if if we've just edited episodic formats onto the end of this, then you'll know what's happened. And if it's another yeah. episode, then huzzah! I, I think that... I think there's a lot of we can talk about there. If nothing else, yeah, we can talk about primetime adventures. All right. Well. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to wrap this up here then. And Brandon, thank you for putting this together. I'm fascinated. This has actually made my job a lot easier for this series mm-hmm. of games I'm trying to run. Uh, because now I'm like, oh, I understand what I'm trying to do for plot. I tell you what, I'm going to try and post the outline that you posted here into the show notes as well. All right, Brandon, one one other thing that I should mention. Um, remember many episodes back, I mentioned that, like, my first campaign that I ever ran was successful, and I've been trying to replicate it since? Mm-hmm. I've been going back and reviewing this in my mind, and it pretty much followed this structure. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't yeah. realize it at the time. Yeah, all the good games I have played, I think, do follow this, if not exactly, pretty closely. They weave in and out of this format, and where they deviate, we, I think, have tended to lose the way of it. So, yeah, this has been really useful, so thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, like I said, I'll put this in the show notes. I want to thank everybody for listening, and do you guys have anything else? I don't. I'm going to add one more tag on here. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're interested in getting involved in the Writers Guild, please contact me or anyone else, even if I'm not currently still hosting or running these things i'll try to point you to who is and if i'm not even if no one is i'll start up again because if if we have interest i want to do easiest thing to do go out to the fear the boot forums down at the bottom of the forums there's a fear the boot writers guild forum that's probably the first stop yeah that's the first stop if i'm no longer involved and if i am still involved you can always just send me a message because if you know this then you can contact me because of that yeah what we're saying is send brandon lots of email Yes, Claude right. his inbox. Yes. Right. I'm actually right. now getting the call from these people, so they, okay. they want to talk, so okay. I think All I right. should head Let's go. Let's go. All right. Good night, folks. Good night. Peace. This has been a production of Saving the Game, copyright 2013. This podcast may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, provided that credit is given to savingthegamepodcast.org. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. For past episodes, podcast news from our hosts, or to connect with us, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.